have no doubt that the Lord's got his hand in all of this tonight. Let me get turned on and we'll get underway. I think we're good now. But God's been working in our lives this week and showing us things that we didn't understand and showing us it's been a hard week in some ways and in some week, some ways it's been the best week I've ever had. And if we'd have went by our schedule this week, we'd have been probably in West Jefferson all day, but God in his infinite wisdom knew we needed to be here tonight. And God's done a work in my life this week and I, I can't tell you everything about it. Can't tell you all that's done, but we're going to try to give you part of what the Lord showed us this week if we can even get through the message. If you have your Bible tonight, Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. Be reading a lot of scripture tonight. I won't make you turn. I've got it prepared here, but if you look at my hands, I've got a left and a right hand. And if we see our look at our country, we're divided right down the middle on the the left side with the liberals and on the right side we're divided over there with those of us who believe in God, who believe in the things of God and all those things believe in the right way. But we're divided as a nation. But Lord showed me this the other night and got to reading in Matthew chapter number 25. If you found your place, stand with me if you don't mind. Matthew chapter number 25. Just read a couple of verses for sake of time. I probably won't be in front of you long because... God gave me this message this afternoon wondering how God was working on, in my life and showing me the things that he was showing me that all the different things I've had to experience this week. You know, I, there's a reason for it because somebody under the sound of my voice tonight needs to hear this message from God. Amen. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 31. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Skip to verse number 41, and it says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, God, for what we feel is stirring down in our soul. And God, for these next few moments, God, we pray. God, you'd help us to get ourselves out of the way. God, that the light and glory can be magnified and glorified among your people. God, you know the reason all things work together. And God, we're trusting you tonight. God, that you've worked this for good to somebody here under the sound of our voice. And God, we need you. We can't do anything without you. And God, I pray these next few moments you'd be lifted up, magnified and honored above all else. Lord, we love you. Give you praise. In the name of Jesus tonight, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Boy, didn't we have a good service this morning. Got out in the car and couldn't hardly contain myself just rejoicing over what God's been doing and how God had, had already, already said God was working with me this week and showing me different things and what I'll probably say later on, you'll think I'm crazy, but that's all right. He let me experience it, not you. But he let me experience it for a reason so I could tell you something tonight. There's a message from God here in his house. 
You're either on the right hand or on the left tonight. You're either over here or over here. You're over here on the right hand with the sheep or you're on the left hand with the goats, amen. But the Lord gave me two words to compare tonight for the right and left, and it's simply something like this. It says, jubilation or desolation? Jubilation or desolation, amen. Firstly tonight, I want to look at this word called jubilation, and it's defined as a feeling or the expression of joy and exultation. And there's things that's happened in my life that's brought joy to where I was. The day I got married was a joyous occasion. I got to take my bride home to live with me, amen. The day I brought my children home was certainly a joyous day in my life. And oh, what rejoicing there was to be found when I brought my girl, when I got to hold my girls for the first time. But Frank, can I tell you something? None of that compares to the jubilation that's awaiting for those of us who believe and who trusted in God Almighty, amen. Why do I know that? Because I have jubilation in this tonight. Number one, because of salvation. There's jubilation because of salvation. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I will rejoice, greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now I remember my wife, she was getting ready in the back of the church and we got to see each other for a little while that morning. We wasn't traditionalists like that. I got to see her in her dress or drain or adorned in all that pretty stuff that she was wearing. And oh, how my heart fluttered when I saw how beautiful she was. And no doubt none of that, some of you experienced the same thing in your own wedding, your own life when you took your bride home with you when you come and got married with her. But none of that compares to when I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. There's jubilation in salvation today. Luke 10, 20 says, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I'm glad I can take you to a place where I knelt down in an old-fashioned altar and God pinned my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Oh, what a difference it makes when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something to rejoice about tonight. Amen. Luke 15, 7 says this, I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, amen. More than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Do you realize that when you got saved, there was rejoicing and jubilation around the throne of God, amen. No doubt when you knelt down, put your sins under the blood of Jesus Christ, it rang the joy bells of heaven and it was announced another one got saved, amen. I'm glad that I made news like that in heaven one day. One day the bells of heaven rang because I knelt down, put my sins under the blood, amen. That's something to rejoice about tonight. It goes on even farther in Luke and he says, he emphasizes it again in verse number 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. There's jubilation tonight because of salvation. Secondly, there's jubilation because of graduation. Now I'm not talking about high school, but that was a, that's a great day, young, it's when you get graduate from high school, is it not? Even greater when you graduate college and graduate like that. But that's not what I'm talking about, amen. Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
That's the graduation I'm talking about. There's jubilation in heaven when one of God's saints gets to make it cross over to the other side. Amen. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. That place is for you. Those who've been brought with a price. Those who've put their sins under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how we can rejoice tonight. And that's why there's jubilation in graduation. God has prepared a place for us to go to. Romans 18, 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. When it comes time to graduate, when it comes time to go home, oh friend, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. I want to be found on the side with the sheep, not the side with the goats. Amen. When it comes that time of separation, I want to be found on the right side. Amen. The side where there's going to be jubilation. Amen. Hebrews eleven sixteen. but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, it's not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven and I knew such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. How? That he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. Amen. John or Paul couldn't describe the joy and the rejoicing going on in heaven because it's not lawful that he could utter it and pin it down for us to hear. Why our feeble minds can't comprehend the joys and rejoicing and the jubilation that's waiting for those children of God. Amen. There's going to be jubilation in graduation. Thirdly, there's jubilation in the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is our hope tonight. Had he not went to the cross of Calvary, we'd have no hope. But had he went to the cross and shed his blood and died for us, had he not risen again on that third appointed morning, we'd have had no hope, amen. Why? Because our Savior is still alive today. He's still alive. And as it was mentioned this morning, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. And because he was the first fruits of the resurrection, amen, that's our hope to realize that we get to follow in his footsteps. Whether we go by the grave or we go by the rapture, friend, we're getting out of here. Death is not the end. Yeah, we have loved ones that's gone on. But wouldn't you be like to be standing on the graveside somewhere? Oh, we go to decoration and put flowers around the grave. I imagine you go see your brother where he's buried. Can you imagine what the jubilation would be? Standing by his graveside and the trump of God's sound. And Christ stepped out on a cloud of glory. And that grave right there burst open. 
forever to be set together in heaven, amen, resurrected through the power of Jesus Christ. There's resurrection power and there's jubilation in the resurrection, amen. Mark 13, 32, Jesus tells us this, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch Watch, he's coming back one day. And we look at the signs of the time around us. We certainly believe it's not going to be very long. Amen. First Corinthians, Paul says, 1551, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall not shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O crave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. In the Lord, amen. Paul also goes on to comfort those of us who've lost loved ones, First Thessalonians, because they believed that once you died, there was no hope, you'd never see him again. I'm glad there's hope beyond this life, amen. There's gonna be jubilation in the resurrection, amen. First Thessalonians 4, 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds, amen, to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Friend, that's a comfort to know that there's gonna be jubilation in the resurrection one day. What a one of these days there's gonna be jubilation untold when we get to heaven to see the many loved ones that's gone unto glory. What a jubilation that's gonna be when we get to see all the sights of heaven, that street of gold, all the emeralds, all the jewels, everything that's there that God's prepared for us. Oh, that's gonna be something to behold. Oh, but greater than that, we're gonna to get to see Jesus. We're gonna to get to see the one that gave his life for us. The one that laid down his life, came to this whole wicked world to die on a cruel, rugged cross for your sins and for my sins. 
Oh, friends, that's going to be the centerpiece of heaven, I believe. What a day it's going to be. Nothing but pure bliss forever. Gathered around a throne eternal to celebrate with the Lord. Not everyone's going to get to experience this jubilation. Not everybody's going to get to rise when the, the rapture happens or when, when God comes back to call his children home. Can you imagine being left behind together in a church house like we are here tonight? I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I can't imagine the desolation that they're going to feel. Desolation is defined as this. It's a state of complete emptiness or destruction, anguish, misery, or loneliness. I remember sitting back on the church pew before I was saved. I've told that story many times here, but some of you may not have heard it. I sat about four or five pews back as far as this corner as I could, sang in the choir, led the singing, taught Sunday school every once in a while, but I'd sit there just as empty as an old milk jug had been sitting out dry in the sun for about three weeks. There's an emptiness, there's something that you can't describe, the emptiness inside until you meet Jesus. Until you get the joy of Jesus in your heart and he takes that desolation away and replaces it with jubilation. Now there may be somebody under the sound of my voice tonight that maybe that's exactly where you are. I don't know your heart. but God certainly does tonight and you certainly do tonight, amen. But not everybody that was here this morning could participate in what was going on. And I find that sad, but I remember being in that situation. We'd get in good services, Preacher Luke. And I, there was a little old man. He'd, he'd sit right in front of me when I was growing up. And he'd kick his leg up. He was, I mean, he was old. He'd kick his leg up and rest it because his legs hurt. He was talking about pain this morning. He had pain. But all of a sudden, I'll see them legs start to jerk when the Holy Spirit of God will start circling around in the services. And he start getting filled up with the Holy Ghost. And then I see that little leg start to hit the ground. And I didn't understand exactly how, because I'd hear him talk about how much he hurt. And it wasn't very long I start seeing him walk around the church. And he had a Holy Ghost laugh about him. He didn't shout. He laughed when he, and he couldn't hardly catch his breath. He'd just clap his hands and he'd laugh and I didn't understand what he was doing. Oh, I understand more about it now, amen. Since I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, I understand what he was doing. I understand that when the Holy Ghost comes to where you are, the pains of this whole body are lifted away. When the Holy Ghost comes by, oh, it solves a lot of problems, does it not? And we got in the Holy Ghost this morning and it was certainly good. But there was many that couldn't participate. They sat there as spectators on what some of us got in on. Number one, I see the desolation of deception this morning. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Not everybody that sits in the church pew is going to hear enter in. They're going to hear depart. 
Not everybody that sings in the choir is going to hear enter in. One day they may hear these words, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Not everybody that even teaches Sunday school or sings a song or even preaches the gospel sometimes. God help us. God help us. Can you imagine how that's going to feel when you get to heaven and you think you've been good enough by sitting on a church pew, come putting your time in with God and you think within yourself that, yeah, God deserves, I deserve to be let in. God, I've done you a favor. And God looks at you and says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Why is that? Because you never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You never trusted in the shed work, the the blood of Calvary. You never trusted in Him to be all in all. You never put your sins under the blood. You come into the church house deceiving yourselves, deceiving your pastor, deceiving everybody around you when you like live like hell out in the world through the week thinking that you've done God a favor. Can you imagine what it's going to be when you get to heaven? Say, God, look at me. Here I am. Let me in. And God says, get away from me. You don't deserve to come in. You couldn't be good enough. You can never earn your spot. Why? Because Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing you can do to earn your spot in heaven. There's nothing you can do to be good enough to earn your place there. But it's going to take putting your sins and your trust in in Jesus tonight. There's going to be a desolation of deception. Matthew 13, 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seeds in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the blade had sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder come and said unto him, Sir, didst thou thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares. And bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. The tares here are just a counterfeit of the good wheat that was sown. Only the wheat could produce grain. Only the wheat could produce fruit. Only the wheat could produce sustenance for for the good farmer there. And the tares, even though they looked like the wheat while they were growing, there come a separation day, just like we read about in Matthew, where they were separated on the right and on the left. And I ask you this, which bundle are you going to be found in? Are you going to be found in the bundle of the tares or the bundle of the wheat tonight? Don't be deceived, my friend. Don't be caught up in that. But I'm afraid that many are caught up in a counterfeit religion that is worthless. It's empty. And one of these days, harvest time, it's going to come, but it'll be too late for you. I thought of it like this, preacher. Who's your favorite ball team? Brother Luke, Clemson. I come up and give you box seats to go to Clemson. I got two tickets for you and Miss Carrie to go, and you can have front right. You're, you're going to have everything taken care of. I got tickets to hand to him, but he don't know this. I printed them off my computer at the house. Do you realize that he's going to be excited? He's going to be working. He's going to be planning to, for this trip that's coming up. 
And he's going to take these tickets that I've given him and he's going to present them to the box office there. When he gets to the box office, they're going to scan the barcode and it ain't going to be good. Why? Because it was a counterfeit. Can you imagine how excited you were to get there? Can you imagine the excitement that was down in his heart to go see his favorite team play? Then can you also imagine the desolation he feels when he realizes what he had was a counterfeit? And when he gets to the box office, they're not going to let him in. They're going to turn him away. Basically, they're going to say, depart. Depart from me. Why? Because you have a counterfeit. You have something that's not real. You've got something that's not going to do you any good. You have a counterfeit ticket. I'm afraid that's what many of us in church have, or some of it, maybe not many of us. I hope not. I hope you don't. But there's a desolation of deception. Secondly, there's a desolation of delay. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some people will say, I want to do this or I want to do that. I'm going to wait until I'm older to give my life to Jesus. Friends, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised another breath. And if I were you, I wouldn't wait till this service was over. If you feel something tugging at your heart, don't let the, the, the desolation of delay keep you from Jesus tonight. Run to him while he may be found, amen. Friend, we're not promised tomorrow. And just because the Lord hasn't come back yet don't mean it couldn't happen in an instant. Don't mean I could get another word out before he comes back and calls us home to glory, amen. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack, concerning his promises, some count slackness, but his long-suffering, aren't you glad he's long-suffering? Long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will burn up with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And that brings me to the last desolation. Number three, the desolation in eternal separation. Revelation 20 describes this in detail. In verse number 11, it starts and it says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand up before God and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, how sad it's going to be for those who have to stand here before Jesus Christ. How desolation, how the desolation is going to be, how empty they're going to feel. They have no words to utter that can, that can convince God to let them in. There'll be no more chances, no more church services, no more mercy, only destruction awaits. And they stand there and realize they could have enjoyed the jubilation of heaven, but because they chose to reject God, only desolation is their future. And I believe that the fire is going to be bad. No doubt the eternal fire is going to be bad. But even worse than that is to not see God move anymore. To realize that you'll never have another opportunity again to call out for mercy. To never have another opportunity to call out to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We sit in church services all the time and a lot of times we take for granted when the Spirit of God starts moving like he has today. We'll never, you'll never see that again if you go to this awful place. But Frank, can I tell you something? You don't have to have that desolation. You can have jubilation, amen. Thank God we don't have to go there. I'm glad that there's salvation to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Now I'm gonna get personal with you for just a moment and kind of share my heart with you what God showed me this week, just a touch of it. And people's probably gonna think I'm crazy, preacher. But you know what I'm talking about. God speaks to you. Not an audible voice that you hear, but there's God has ways to speak to his people. And God spoke to me Friday night. We'd been to camp meeting all week up in Yancey County. Went over there to hear Brother Ken Bowman and my what preaching we got to hear. And God just started doing a work there. I went, and went up. I went to the altar to pray Friday night. I said, God, I need you to help. I've got some preaching dates coming up, and I want something fresh. I want something new. I want. I want to. I don't want to just regurgitate stuff that I've got. I want a fresh touch because it's good when we have leftovers at the house. You know what you're going to get. But every once in a while, it's good to crack open a a fresh watermelon or a fresh piece of fruit or to have a fresh meal prepared that's just come out of the garden, amen. There ain't nothing like it. And God, I reckon God said, all right, old boy, I'm going to give you what you want. And he let me see some stuff while I was asleep Friday night. And I can't explain the jubilation that I felt. That's where I got the title of this message. I can't explain to you the jubilation I felt because I was standing there with a couple of guys at work. We were standing outside and all of a sudden I could see the skies parting open and see some thunder and lightning. And I don't know what it's going to be like when the Lord comes back. Don't think that I'm telling you this is how it's going to be. This is just how he helped me. The Lord started, I saw him coming back. There's been events in my life that we saw a wreck one time and I can take you back and count every second. When you see something like that, time moves slower in your mind. That's a proven fact because you can remember every little detail about it. And I saw the clouds part open and I heard him say, come up. And all the jubilation I felt. I can't describe it to you how good that felt to feel myself go lighter than air and shoot out of here to the portals of glory. I didn't get to see heaven, but I got to feel in my dream what it was like to shoot up when he said, come up here. All the rejoicing that I had in my heart. And I just laid there and cried for a moment because I could, I, I just, I could still feel that lighter than air feeling in my life. But it wasn't just a minute. I woke up and then I went right back to sleep and he told me something else. And I don't know about you, I've never really doubted my salvation. But what I experienced this night, boy, I doubted it all day yesterday. And I think it's all right to check up every once in a while. But like I was talking to you, Brother Luke, about that ticket, I was already in heaven. Didn't get to see anything. But I walked up to the gate, and God said, You don't have a pass. I walked up. 
And I heard that. He said, you don't have a pass. And that jubilation turned to desolation just like that. No doubt many of you gotten word that you've lost a loved one that somebody's passed on or something's happened in your life to where you feel utter total emptiness and loneliness. That's how I felt in this dream that he gave me. And God said, I want you to go tell whoever you preach to next about this. I didn't know I was going to be here tonight. I was supposed to have been in West Jefferson all day today. But God knew that somebody here needed to hear this. You don't have to have that empty feeling when you die and leave this world. You don't have to go up and be turned away from the gates of glory. You don't have to walk up and say be turned away because you don't have a pass to get in. You don't have to experience the loneliness that it is to be turned away from God. And I can't put into words. I cried all day yesterday. I talk, I, me and Patricia talked about it for just a minute. And I couldn't even get words out without crying about it. Because one of us, somebody under the sound of my voice is going to hear these words. Depart from me. Depart. Get away from me. Because you've never been saved. Because you don't know Jesus. And Frank, can I tell you something? When you hear that, you're going to feel loneliness and emptiness like you've never felt before. Where would we be without him? I'm glad that I have him. I'm glad I'll never have to hear those words. I'm glad that I know him and he knows me. And Richmond will never have to hear those words if we've trusted in the Lord. And I certainly don't know your heart's condition tonight. But God sent you this message for a reason. And as we're standing to our feet, I want Patricia to come and get a song ready to play. And I want us to be very serious in the next few moments because God sent this to somebody here. We don't know when we're going to be called home. We don't know when we're getting out of here. It may be my turn as soon as we walk drive out of this parking lot to go meet the Lord. And I can tell you this, I'm ready to go. But what if it happened to you? Would you be ready to go? Would you get to experience the jubilation of heaven? Or would you feel the emptiness and the loneliness and the desolation of your heart because you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior? Every head bowed and every eyes closed for just a moment. I certainly don't know what God's doing in your soul tonight, but I know what he did in mine this week. And friend, it's my desire that if you don't know Jesus, that you come and know him tonight. I'm gonna pray and Patricia's gonna sing a song and whatever you need tonight, maybe you have a family member that's lost. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you need to be saved. If you do, you come and grab me, a preacher there and one of these preacher boys. We'll lead you to Jesus. We, won't want, we don't want you to leave here without knowing him. But maybe you've got somebody on your heart that you know for certain that's going to experience this one day. That's going to be called up to heaven and they're going to be turned away and say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. God help us to get a burden for our lost people again. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've showed us this week. And we thank you for your mercy and grace that's still extended tonight. In these next few moments, God, I pray you'll search our hearts. Help us, Lord, in all that we do tonight. God, to be ready 
should you call us home. Lord, we love you. And thank you for your mercy and your grace. 